and welcome to the latest episode of the Wine on Tap podcast with your hosts Sue and Paul. Hi and welcome to this episode. Today we have a special guest joining us on the podcast via Skype from the UK. Listeners will know of our experiences at the fantastic Vegbox Cafe in Canterbury and we're delighted to have Liz Child join us. Welcome Liz. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. Thanks for coming on board. <laughs> Um, your cafe rocked our world. It was the best true food we had on our trip oh. to Europe. Um, and we went to Rome and Paris and, and, and it was... Uh, what? Yeah, it was the most authentic <laughs> food that we had the whole trip. So, uh, oh, so um, it was really, a fun experience. Let's start with talking about you um, and you can tell us a little bit about yourself um, and, <laughs> uh, and how you started with fermented foods and how you got into it and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, well, we've only been fermenting maybe five or six years. We, we, the reason we got into it was um, we get all our food, all our vegetables for the cafe from local farms. Um, and obviously it's at certain times of the year, all you can get really is like cabbages and turnips. And that's yeah. about it. So we had a just a huge load of cabbages to deal with um, one year. And so we decided to just try and make sauerkraut just to preserve them, really, so they didn't go off and get wasted. And we'd never had, like, proper sauerkraut before. We'd had the stuff on jars in, in shops that's, like, um, it's pasteurised. It's, it's not the same, and it never really, you know, made an impact on us. So when we tried to make it ourselves, it, we were just blown away by the complexity of the flavour and that that kind of kick-started our um, obsession, I guess. <laughs> so, so you had the cafe then? Yeah, the cafe's been running for 11 years now. Uh, well, we've been doing it for 11 years. We uh, we took it over in 2008, so it used to be above um, a whole food shop. So we were um, like subletting from a whole food shop when it was in a different part of Canterbury. Um, so I just finished university and I didn't know what to do. And one of my part-time jobs was working as a waitress in the cafe. It was called the Good Food Cafe then. Uh, and the ladies who were running it decided to um, decided to do something else. So I didn't know what to do. So I said, oh, I'll, can I buy the business off you? I managed to get a loan from the bank. This was before the crash. I was going to say, different world. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I bought the cafe and um, wrote my husband into helping me out. And then it's just kind of grown from there. We started off really small and then it's just grown. We've rebranded, we moved, we've knocked a wall down, we've expanded. It's been Fantastic. a big journey. <laughs> yeah. And so, so you had the cafe first um, and then you kind of got into fermented foods after. How did that change your business model? Um, were you buying a lot of food in or were you making just traditional foods and 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 how did you come up with the menu? Um, well, we've always, um, we've always made everything from scratch at the cafe right. and our menu is how we cook at home. That's why it's called the Veg Box Cafe is we yeah. cook as if um, we've, got a veg box scheme at home I don't you must have them in Australia no I well. haven't come across that okay. yeah where you where you pay and they deliver a whole box of vegetables oh, I see. and you get what's ever yeah. in season yes right yeah exactly so you never know what you're going to get which is the same at the cafe we we get a list from the farm every week of what they have and we just 
pick so we we don't say to them what we want they say to us what they have and then we just pick from their yeah. list so so that's how the menu changes every day and, yeah. or every week it's just, yeah. just whatever we can get from the farm we cook creatively and try and use up those <laughs> so Liz yeah. is that what you had done at uni were, were you involved with food at uni no I did fine art at uni so oh okay know what to do with my life <laughs> yeah uh, but I, I was always really um I was always a foodie I was really really interested in food and all my part-time jobs and stuff like that was cooking and um yeah yeah just very interested in food at all times <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah I guess it's another creative outlet for me as well yeah. obviously I'm an artist but I'm also a chef and I, I think the two work really well together yeah, mm. yeah. yes yeah definitely <laughs> yeah so that mm-hmm. you had how did the classes come about so the classes that was more um a sort of customer demand really than something that we particularly thought of so because um fermented vegetables are still like up and coming I guess mm-hmm. especially in Canterbury not a lot of people are knew about them or knew what they were and once they started tasting them from our menu they wanted to learn how to make it because you can't really buy that stuff very easily so we just had a lot a lot of interest and we decided to do some workshops and they've been really popular we just do one a month at the moment but we're we're thinking about doing more yes we tend to sell out most months. <laughs> well, if we'd been there when you had a class, we would have uh, we would have come along too. Oh. We were only there for what three, four days. I yes, think. yeah, and and we were staying at the Falstaff, and breakfast was included in in what we had prepaid, and it, that was my most frustrating thing because your breakfast menu looked fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so we came oh, to lunch a couple of times out yeah. of the three days, and uh, I've got a mm-hmm. brother who's uh, who doesn't eat meat, and uh, I, I don't think mm-hmm. I'd call him probably vegetarian more than vegan. Is he vegan? Yeah, anyway. No, he's vegetarian, vegetarian. But we have a daughter who's vegan. Yeah, she's she reckons <laughs> we're not hardcore enough, but uh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it, we happened upon you because we were looking for somewhere for him to eat and we were the ones who lucked out because, uh, as I say, um, it was the most wholesome food that we had the whole trip. It was, uh, yeah. and, and really it, we hadn't heard of fermented foods. I mean, it's not new because it's yeah, before refrigeration and I suppose uh, certainly uh, pickling and bottling is not, you know, is not a new thing at all, uh, particularly on yeah. farms. Uh, the fermented thing, I think it was actually Louis Pasteur who invented pasteurised milk, came up with the whole mm. lactobacillus thing and, uh, and it was an extension of what he was doing. But uh, the flavours, you're, you're completely correct. I mean, the, um, mm. we haven't tried mm. too much ourselves. Obviously started with sauerkraut because it's you know, yeah, the easiest. The best, <laughs> yeah, the best place to start, yeah. <laughs> um, and... Uh, we, uh, went really well with some fermented onions, uh, but the second batch mm-hmm. went off. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I've tried sourdough. Um, we're big into water kefir, um, nice. which is uh, which is a staple. Um, obviously, tried kombucha and and all those sorts of things. So it's been quite mm-hmm. an adventure. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you think it's it's increasing popularity because it's a bit of a rejection? of supermarkets and and mass food production do you think there's an element of that as as Um, well or do you think people are just wanting to eat better 
Yeah, I mean, that might be one of the reasons, but I think probably the first reason people get into it is for the health benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and be, uh, everyone's very hyper aware of their health and um, there's been such a huge revival in um, like gut health. Yeah. Aware. I guess and people I guess what I'm trying to say is there's been a lot of new research into the connection between your gut and your well-being as yes. such a huge part of um I guess modern health education um so I guess that's the main reason it's grown I think I think it's a, a selfish reason like how can I get the healthiest I can possibly get but why people stick at it is because it's so delicious. Yes. You're not going to eat something that's good for you if it's not nice, mm-hmm. is it? Are you? Just maybe once or twice or yeah. something. But because fermented food is so uh, complex and such depth of flavour and it's it's a real foodie thing, and that's I think that's why people stick with it and why it's grown so much. Yes, yes. Certainly that's been my experience. I mean, I've had gut, we've got a family full of gut health issues and uh, yeah. um, and, and I've certainly seen uh, an improvement uh, in, mm. in, in how I feel uh, yeah. since we started down the uh, fermented food track. So, uh, so certainly that's, uh, yeah. it, you're right, it's a health, a health benefit thing. And, and, I mean, for those who tried wheatgrass, I wasn't one of those, but I gather that doesn't taste very nice. Yeah. So, uh, so that doesn't <laughs> stick; it hasn't stuck around, um, except with yeah. the fanatics. But, uh, but certainly mm-hmm. fermented foods. So, can you ferment anything? Do, can you ferment all foods? What if what have you found has um, worked and what yeah, hasn't? Yeah, I, I would say you can. Well, you can try anyway. Mm. Um, there are some things that aren't very tasty that we've we've found. Um, we've tried to ferment broccoli a few times, and that's just been disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but we might just we might have the flavour combination wrong. I do find with things like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and stuff like that if you put um like lemon or chili something really strong flavored with it then it, it's not so bad but you can't you can ferment pretty much anything right. there's some things like um onions and like the whole onion family because um because it's uh, onions have like a natural antibiotic in them um they don't always work for um being fermented so you have to put something with them right um for that kind of uh bacterial process Mm -hmm. to happen um so it doesn't have to be much like when we ferment onions we just put a load of chopped onions in a jar Mm -hmm. with some herbs so there's stuff on the herbs the natural microorganisms on the herbs will be enough to kick start the fermentation process or you can just put a piece of cabbage in there or or some brine from a different ferment something to just to kick start it yeah um but yeah i mean apart from that you can yeah only limitation is your imagination <laughs> yeah so i've had a real problem with garlic i've tried garlic three times so would that be a similar okay. thing to onions um they just seem to go green so whatever i do that's yeah that's that's fine 
green garlic is perfectly fine. Don't throw it oh. away. I hope. Oh, too late. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. it goes a crazy colour. Sometimes yes. it goes like a bluey green, like turquoise yeah, okay. colour. And that's just a natural, that's just what garlic does. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. And it's totally normal it's not harmful at all oh okay oh, fabulous oh okay full reaction it just yeah, it does that so right. yeah next time don't worry about it oh, okay because <laughs> everything i've read uh, um uh, has said that white on top of it's okay because that's probably mm -hmm. just yeast but if you've got any sort of color then mm -hmm. then best to err on the side of caution and uh, if you get the blues the greens mm -hmm. the oranges um, you're probably best letting, you know, letting it go. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that would be quite off-putting for the garlic, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's not, it's not mould in the garlic. It's, the garlic has just okay. changed wow, colour. That's good to know because we've, we've just come through um, our summer, which is hot and humid in southeast Queensland, mm -hmm. um, and and that gets a little scary when something does go a totally different colour. Yeah, yeah, no, I was shocked the first time it happened. I had to <laughs> read up on it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's a fun yeah. thing, darling. Yeah. My favourite vegetable. No, it's ours as well. We eat garlic and everything. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is yes. <laughs> for you too. Yep. Um, ginger's a staple as well, though we yeah. don't ferment ginger, but we do put that in the kefir. Uh, that and turmeric go into the water kefir, mm. and uh, um, yeah, that's nice. uh, that, that's become a staple. We're never without gar uh, ginger these days. So. This whole idea of combining for I mean, I'm, at the moment we're doing singular things, so you know, I'll do sauerkraut, mm -hmm. um, or I'll do onions, or I'll do. I, I haven't got into the 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 food palette, if you like, um, as such. So mm -hmm. what have been some of the most successful combinations that you felt you've done that you, you go, oh, that was amazing, we've got to do that again? So, um, mm. Well, we made a sauerkraut recently because it, it's spring mm -hmm. in England at the moment um, and it's wild garlic season. So we made a, a sauerkraut recently with um, white cabbages, leeks wild garlic and black pepper and it was probably one of wow. the best sauerkrauts we've ever made it was absolutely delicious it's kind of a, a woodland yeah. um yes a leaf really it's not actually a, a garlic bulb it's, it's the other name is rams oh, okay. and mm, yeah. but anyway it's it was delicious we also do kimchi uh -huh. Every week we make huge batches of kimchi, which has ginger in yes. it. I like it. <laughs> um, so we make a paste of um, garlic, ginger, um, chilies and onion. And then we put that through um, salted vegetables. So traditional kimchi will have um, mm -hmm. Chinese leaf cabbages and radishes and carrots. Um, but we, we make our kind of mm -hmm. Kentish kimchi. Yes. Because we're in Kent. And uh, so we just use whatever local vegetables and things yes. we feel like yeah. you know, and kind of go off piece. I think that's, the, that's the, yeah. the, the exciting thing about it, as you said before, um, just that, that creativity mm -hmm. that you can you know, bring to the fore by whatever you've got around you. you know, what can we do with this? You know, mm -hmm. I suppose that's, that's what was the inspiration right from the start, as you said. It's, uh, well, what mm -hmm. do we do with this? You know, yeah. what, what can we make? And uh, how creative can we get? Yeah, I think um, having that kind of 
um, limitation kind of forces creativity mm -hmm. out of you. It's, it's a good thing not to have a pick of every single vegetable mm -hmm. on the planet. It's good to have a limited choice and then you have to yeah, you know, stretch your creativity. <laughs> I've always said that we can't get Savoy cabbage here. Uh, we can get white cabbage mm. and, and the purple one, and we we're fortunate that we get quite we can, we can get access to Asian vegetables, um, but yeah, no savoy cabbage. Mm. Right. Wombok and bok choy and and all the Chinese cabbages. There we can yeah. we can get those okay, but uh, yeah, you can't get a savoy cabbage, and yeah. you know you pay ten dollars a kilo for Brussels sprouts. Mm. So. That's not the right climate no, for exactly. them there. But you're very lucky you get lots of... Yes. Yeah. And fruit, yes. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. have you, is there such a thing as fermented fruit? I suppose that... Absolutely, yeah. We, um, a couple of years ago, because we have connections with farmers locally, um, we had a cherry farmer um, who had, boxes and boxes of cherries that were just going to go to waste he he wasn't able wow. to sell them and they were like about to turn so he said do you want to do something with them so we just put them in a crock with salt as simple as that and it was the most delicious um kind of sweet and sour savory it made it went down into a sort of salsary oh, wow. sort of thing um and yeah, I think it would work with a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of fruit. Really, there's a, a strong um, tradition of fermenting fruit in Japan. Yes. I think. Yep. Um, right. So I guess like umeboshi, yeah. plums, oh, of and course. Yes. things like that. That kind of. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's quite common in Germany to put apple in your sauerkraut as well. And I've got a, a German friend who who loves you make a big. A big jar or big crock of sauerkraut and as you're packing the cabbage in you can put whole apples in and then pack cabbage around put another whole apple in so there's a few apples in amongst the kraut and they they absorb all that lovely salty tangy brine as well and then you can slice them up and have them oh, as wow. part of just any meal really um, yeah amazing <laughs> yeah. that, that, well, I do too now. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah it's incredible. Uh, and we we put fruit in our kimchi a lot as well. We do um, in the autumn. We do a pear and pak choy kimchi mm -hmm. quite a lot, which is one of our most popular oh. ones. So we just slice up pears um, with the pak choy and maybe some radishes and stuff, and that. Do you find that people that you, people that come to your classes are just local, or do they travel from places? Because I'm just sort of wondering what you, what we could offer people who are maybe listening in on the podcast and going, oh, I'd really like to 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 um, get involved in this. Um, so, is there any mm. way that people could get involved with you, or have you any plans for that? Um, at the moment, it's a it's mostly local people. We do have. Um, people travelling down from London and stuff to come to them sometimes, which we find quite surprising because I'm sure there must be classes in London as well and all over mm -hmm. the country. Um, we haven't had people travel from Australia <laughs> to come to the class. Yeah, we'll yet, time our visit next time. You never know. <laughs> yeah. yep. 
Um, but yeah, if anybody is listening that is desperate to come to one of our classes, then um, we do them on the last Saturday of every month, apart from a few months where mm-hmm. we go away. Um, and you can email me to okay, book. Okay, we'll, so, we'll put your um, email yeah. address and everything um, on the notes for yeah. the podcast so people can access those. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So um, uh, what might people do who, who can't get to your classes? Uh, uh, do you have any re- any recommendations in terms of uh, YouTube channels or books or or um, chat rooms or anything like that? Well, um, for me, I don't – I'm not very technical, so I, I'm not really like YouTube, Reddit-type no. person, but um, – I really, really found I've got some books here that I can yep. show you. I don't know. Fermented vegetables. You know it doesn't. It's come it's come up right. Yeah. Fermented That's vegetables. By whom? This, who's, um, who's that by? Well, this was actually the second it's a Kirsten and Christopher Shockey, they're a husband and wife team um based in Oregon in America. And um this book is like perfect for beginners. It's, it covers everything. It's so um, it's so simple, but it's just very clear. There's, awesome. It's great. I can't recommend this book enough. But the first book that really got us into it was you probably heard of Sandor um, nope. Katz. No, nope. he's kind of the. <laughs> not, oh my goodness, he's like he's the man. He's <laughs> my hero. <laughs> he, uh, He's basically he's known as like the father of fermentation. So he kind of kickstarted the revival of um, fermentation. So he's been doing this a lot longer than it's been mm-hmm. trendy. Um, uh, yeah, so I would really recommend this book. It's just called Wild awesome. Fermentation. It's very Thanks. funky. And it's Sandal Cats, and he is also. Um, he travels the world doing talks and workshops and things. So if you ever see his name pop up, go and see him. He's so oh, inspiring. Um, but, yeah, these guys, they've also got a book called Fiery Ferments. Oh, okay. Yep, yeah. hot spices. Uh, and they've got – so this one's all about, like, fermented hot sauces and kimchi yep. and things. Um, and they've got another one coming out about miso and tempeh, oh, yeah. and natto, and like fermenting yep. beans, basically, which I'm really excited about. That's the Japanese about. stuff because uh, uh, some of the soy sauces yes. and the misos uh, can take years to ferment uh, and are done traditionally. Mm. And the price apparently of uh, uh, different soys <laughs> vary greatly um, depending on how long they've, mm. uh, they've been fermenting. So, A lot of people don't realise that they're – they're already eating mm-hmm. fermented yeah. food. Like we have a lot of customers who, if it's their first time, and we'd say, "Would you like anything fermented on your bowl?" And they're like, "Oh, fermented? No, <laughs> like, ugh." Um, but actually, um, they don't realise that coffee mm-hmm. is fermented, olives yeah. are fermented, um, yeah. chocolate is fermented. There's, there's so many fermented foods they're already eating. It's it's such a ancient and necessary process and i think it's great that people are learning more about yes. it and so do you have any uh, thoughts of putting out a recipe book oh i would love to that is that is my dream um uh we've been doing the cafe for 11 years now and it is very very hard oh, work I can it's, imagine. It's, we love it 
but it's it's a difficult um, way of making money and um, you know we're thinking ahead of what we're going to do in the future and maybe we might end up selling the business and doing something more along the fermented lines because that is where our, our kind of passion is at the moment so one day possibly I don't know it's like selling a baby I don't know if I could do it <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, our dream is to maybe um, start more regular workshops, but the cafe isn't really the right space to do that. So it would be nice to have like a retreat with a big kitchen yeah, or yeah, something and yeah. more things yeah. like that. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, and I do, I make a calendar every year. I do these illustrated recipes and each year there seems to be more and more fermented ones and less cakes and things so there's like uh, there's a sriracha oh that's lovely recipe. so yeah I, I would love i'd love to write uh, do an illustrated book rather than just the calendar mm-hmm. yes. and you're open seven days a week yeah and yeah we are just breakfast and lunch yeah we don't do evenings at the moment no it's a it's yeah. a lovely space it was yeah. it felt very homely when we were there yes yeah, it, was, yeah. it was really oh, great yeah yeah <laughs> and so many smiling people and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There were people really enjoying the food, and you, know, you seem to get a lot of regulars there. There were people who seemed to know exactly what they were doing, and uh, you know what they wanted. And... Yeah, yeah. No, we do. We're very lucky. Our, our customers are definitely the best customers in the world. They they really appreciate yeah. what we do and seem to really get it. And um, so, yeah, we're very lucky. And yeah, we, uh, my husband and I were just talking yesterday about how kind of proud we are that um we get people coming in and they say uh we say what would you like we, you know we offer toppings with everything and they're like oh I'll have um sauerkraut kimchi and fermented cucumbers like they know exactly what they want these things that most people around the country wouldn't have heard of and there's this little community in Canterbury now that really love fermented food and I I think that is down to us so I'm going to take the that one yeah I think there's something about fermented food it, it kind of it really gets people hooked it, it must be a bit addictive or something that people seem to get um really obsessed with it but that's great it's a good thing to be yeah, obsessed yeah, about definitely <laughs> and, uh... be yeah we um we started um there's a really lovely uh farmer's market in Canterbury I don't know if you visited it while you were there called the good shed and um for we had a stall in there for a year before we expanded the cafe um and we called it fermental because we were like mental about fermented stuff (laughs) uh so that that was really nice and um yeah we might kind of go back to that one day that sort of thing yeah just focusing on fermenting. yeah well Mm -hmm. it's it's certainly a message worth uh worth spreading uh, and the fun you can have making mm. the food and uh, and then and tasting the uh, the um, the outcomes. We, one uh, that we've come across that uh, has quickly become a staple is a, a, a cheese substitute made with um, cashews. Um, so a fermented mm. cashew yeah. cheese as such, but it's not really cheese, of course. But but um, yeah, and that's yeah. that's uh, we make that by the 
by the litre jar and, uh, and it only lasts a, a short time, <laughs> but it, it's ready in a couple of days, yeah. you know. It's, uh, we eat less brie and camembert yeah. now, well, which, is any, good, any. Yeah. Good, which is probably good for our health. <laughs> yeah, my blood pressure has dropped uh, 20 points. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Just That's in impressive. three months or so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I put that down to the fact that I'm I really oh. love cheese, and uh, and so I was always eating brie and camembert, yeah. and uh, I still have some Swiss cheese every now and again. Mm-hmm. But but this cashew fermented cashew yeah. substitute has uh, I've, has replaced pretty much mm. every cheese I ever ate. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. We make it at home. We don't do it at the cafe yet, but it's a it's a really great way of using up the brine from your fermented vegetables so you can use that as the kind of help at the starter for your fermented nut cheeses and yeah it's fantastic I think um it's important to say as well that fermenting it's not a scary thing you don't have to have specialist equipment and like um some kind of lab anybody can do it you can all you need is a, a glass jar really um and some salt and a vegetable <laughs> it's yeah yeah it's a it's something that everybody can and should do it's great another really important point is i guess that's probably why another reason why fermented food is is resurging because um we live in such a sterile mm. world at the moment and that has a knock-on effects for our health and stuff and all this antibacterial antibacterial stuff is is really not good i mean it's obviously it's good in hospitals and things like that but it's really unnecessary Mm. at home and um yeah bacteria is good it's on everything it's in everything it's something that should be encouraged to flourish rather than killed indiscriminately um yeah exactly it's uh um, my mum always used Mm. to say a little bit of dirt doesn't hurt so uh you know, and, yeah, exactly. and I think that's probably why there's so much <laughs> gut health issue now because uh, everything's homogenized and pasteurized, and uh, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, the gut needs the back to the good bacteria, but we're killing, as you say, we're killing the good and the bad bacteria, and, and uh, yeah, not able to process stuff properly. Yeah, yeah, no, we miss out on a whole profile of foods if we eat all these sterilized, mm-hmm. canned, or pickled things. You. You're missing out on a lot of essential, like micronutrients mm-hmm. and stuff that are, are actually really important. And things like vitamin B12, that it's it is it is a bacteria or it's from a bacteria. And I think that's why even even meat eaters um, are lacking in B12 worldwide because even animal feed is so sterilised. Everything's cleaned mm-hmm. too much. And you get vitamin B12 from mm-hmm. dirt, basically. And yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's just one of those things we've kind of, we're too clever for our own good, us humans, aren't we? If people want to connect with you, is it just Facebook and um, do you do Instagram and those sorts of things? Yeah. Or? Facebook and Instagram are where um most active. Um, that's kind of where we do all our yeah. interfacing and email, yeah. I guess. 
I'm going to try and put more recipes and um, things up on Facebook and Instagram. So look out okay. for that. And I need to just. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, lovely. Uh, yeah, very useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time, Liz. And all the best to uh, to you with um, with Vegbox Cafe and everything that you choose to do going forward. Um, you know, it's a wonderful Thank place. You. And when we're next in, uh, in Canterbury, we'll pop in and say hi. And yeah, that great thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast it's really very flattering thanks for joining us on this podcast we look forward to your company on the next one for further information on the books and resources mentioned in this episode go to our website wineontap.com